Gorilla Healer presents Farms Not Farms podcast, season two, sponsored by buildthesoil.com. Hold up. Wait. We want to thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast presented by Gorilla Healer by giving you a 20% off discount code to GorillaHealer.org. Use code SEASON2 when you check out at GorillaHealer.org of any item not currently on sale. And also, be sure to check out BuildTheSoil.com, our Farms Not Farms podcast sponsor, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. BuildTheSoil.com, the Internet's number one spot for your organic soil amendments. Back to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Bonjour, thank you for having me. Okay, so where are you? In Colorado? I'm in Boulder, Colorado, yes. And yourself? Um, Norcal, near uh, San Francisco, the Bay, near Richmond. Nice. Well, welcome to the Farms Not Farms podcast. You are a legend in your own right, and if you would be so kind to uh, introduce yourself, so if anybody out here doesn't yet know who you are, they will in a moment. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Frenchy, Frenchy Cannoli. I, uh, I spent 20 years traveling when I was uh, a young man. Like, I, uh, I started to travel, I was 18, and I basically to, uh, travel 18, 20 years solid. That's all I did. I didn't go back to France for 18 years. <laughs> and I, um, I, would, uh, I would travel mostly in producing country. So basically, my life for 18 years was I would spend three, four months in a producing place, living with a local to make my stash for the year. <laughs> and I would go and smoke it on the beach. Time up front, just to be safe. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm investing in the future. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like when you... I, I was 17 years old. It's like I had, had no freedom all my childhood. I struggled to have any type of freedom. I reached 17 and adult life looked like fucking slavery. Mm. It was yeah. scary, really. So the first time I smoked... I could connect with all my childhood dream of traveling and, uh, and being an adventurer. And, uh, and that's what I did because it's like I, I'm kind of nomadic. I like to be able to move, but it's like I just needed that, that freedom. I needed to be far away from the Western world and, uh, and all the family and, uh, getting a future type of uh, life. For sure. So <clears throat> first and foremost, for everybody out there who's just be being introduced to Frenchie Cannoli, Frenchie is an internationally renowned hash maker who basically is uh, true to the um, what many of us know as original styles of hash. Frenchie, you, would you want to uh, open a window into that a little bit? Yes, I mean, it's like I travel for 18 years solid in producing country. And every year, I would spend three, four months with a local 
deep, deep into a producing place to make my stash. So even if I didn't go there to, to learn at the feet of the master, I just wanted to make my own. Mm. I was sitting next to somebody who was a master for me, who had a lot more knowledge than me. And, uh, and I was sucking it up just by walking alongside them and uh, with their tool. So <clears throat> it's, um, it wasn't really what I mean to do, but all that knowledge every time different, produ different producing country, different, produ different family, when uh, sometimes in the same, uh, in the same region, <clears throat> you, uh, you learn a lot in 18 years and I, I have seen amazing quality and stuff happening to pressed resin for me that when I came to the, to America and I had the ability to look for the science behind traditional ash, uh, I, uh, I, I could answer a question because in this country, if you tell him, oh, so you keep your flower over, over three, four, five, six months, before you make ash with it. Huh. <laughs> Interesting. And why? Because it makes better ash. <laughs> like drying and curing, even in, in, if they all do a little bit of sun, direct sun drying, the first few days in my, in, uh, in the 70s and 80s, <clears throat> the, the drying room was a pretty badass drying room. You know what I mean? It's a bundle, yeah. bunch of bundle in a dark room with high ceiling, no humidity. Uh, it's like pretty uh, stable temperature. It's, uh, it's perfect. And they would never do it just after it's dry. Mm. They would have that, that waiting time. Why do you use, why do you press resin? Because it makes good ashish, it makes good smoking. Mm. And you don't smoke, just lose resin because it's not good. So they don't know the scientific reason behind, but they have millennium of tradition that is telling him, that is telling him, this is the best. Okay? Don't you worry why it's the best? This is it. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you have to understand that not only the first ancestor who stick some resin on his hand while he wanted to catch up, uh, to pick up the seeds, most certainly, that was the first live resin ever made. That's Charas. There is a good chance that, that nice, that smell, good smelling aromatic, uh, resin on his finger. There is a good chance that he would have tested it because every new plant, everything new from nature, It's a, it's a, a survival, it's possible survival tool. So it's like they were really in tune into what nature could give them. They were naked, mm. barehanded mm. at the time where the smallest uh, herbivore was uh, in a half a ton uh, type of weight. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it was like megafauna. And megaflora at that time. They were big, big plants, big trees. Pretty dangerous yeah. for, a, for a human being. Homo erectus 
survived 1.5 million years. Okay? And they, they inhabited the Eurasian continent from Spain to Philippines and Indonesia. So if you think of that, they did move from Africa around 2 million years ago, a little mm -hmm. bit over 2 million years ago. And the plant was born 28 million years ago in the High Tibetan Plateau, next to the biggest migratory route that goes from Africa to Siberia and the uh, American continent and vice versa. Okay? Six million years ago, the plant was in Europe. Fact. You know what I mean? Uh, that means that for four million years, the cannabis plant was growing in what we, what we call today the fertile crescent. For four million years, mm. before Homo erectus set foot in Egypt, Lebanon, and like the beginning of the, of the fertile crescent, and then deep into Iran, Iraq, uh, to your, your, uh, the road to Afghanistan and the birthplace of cannabis. And Homo erectus was uh, two million years ago. There is evidence of Homo erectus in China, very close to the birthplace of cannabis. So that's the most, uh, resourceful Homo genius ever had mm. the ability to have been the first to use cannabis. And there is a good chance. Imagine cannabis growing naturally for four million years in the richest soil on earth with the best climate climate that doesn't matter, uh, the change, the, the climatic change further north. That middle part of Europe was pretty stable, pretty rich. Like, uh, it was not desertic at all, uh, actually. It's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Or the whole evolution of the genus Homo on the Eurasian continent, it's a co-evolution with, uh, with cannabis plants. And because we interbreeded and lived together in places that have be that became the center of civilization, Egypt, Mesopotamia, the Indus Valley, and China, uh, it's like it's the relation and the passing down of knowledge between Homo erectus, Neanderthal, the Denisovan and, uh, and Homo sapien, it's, uh, yeah. it's real. It's like it's, we have had a long relation with that plant. Yeah, it's amazing how, A, um, much history you know, and B, how <laughs> this plant has traveled the world and brought so many of us together. I mean, just in my life alone, it's connected me with so many different worlds of people, let alone to consider the generations of time, you know, that through millions of years, or, or let's even just call it thousands of years, it's moved around. And obviously it's been more than thousands of years. And we know this through, through um, different cultures and what they're showing. What, what, Pardon? 
how do you figure it all out? When, when you rub, like, from sticky finger to sticky hand, easy. There is not such a stretch of imagination. Mm, that resin before that I, I, I get when, I, uh, when the plant is live, it would be nice to collect it before I dry the plant and I collect the seeds because you always dry the plant before you collect seeds. Okay? So now, how do you go from sticky hand to actually dry sieved resin gland that yeah. you press with the source of heat to decarboxylate and actually trigger the psychoactive uh, potential of the, of the cannabinoid. Dude, how do you figure that out? I mean, it's like, and it's been going on for, uh, for millennium. That's why <clears throat> if people have been pressing resin for millennium with a source of heat, yeah. in my head, it's like, it's not possible that a methodology can span millennium done in every producing country by every smoker in every, in every producing country and there is not something behind. It would disappear with time. You know what I mean? Only methodologies that are so perfect are, can, can span the time and, and still be used like... Uh, in many, many craftsmen. Uh, it's true. So much history, so much wisdom and history throughout time has been lost. And yet this plant and the knowledge, you know, how to use it. And obviously that's that continually evolving and coming back around like, uh, so, you know, quote unquote, Rick Simpson oil has d developed this, uh, this, this wave of people learning about cannabis oil, though cannabis oil has been around for a long time. And so, just constantly learning, yet it still stayed throughout the course of, of, of time, which is, you, you, I feel like, uh, you know, everybody understands we're, we're designed this way, really. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that everybody, you know, has enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I know a lot about the history of cannabis because I've, that's a big chunk of my book that mm. I finished uh, the first draft. Would you plug your book a little bit so people could check it out if they want to find yeah, it? I don't have the book. I'm writing it. It's a, it's a book. Oh, you're writing it. Nice. Yeah. I finished the first draft. So I, uh, I spent... Uh, Congratulations. The world COVID uh, quarantine. Yeah. Uh, actually writing and, uh, and searching history. And uh, it's, uh, it, it was, it's been pretty amazing. Beautiful. But you have to understand that the first four civilization. The first force for writing ever done in this book, every one of them can be the cannabis plant is one of the most important uh, plant at that time. And it still is. It's pretty fascinating because it's like it's from China to Egypt. Huh? <clears throat> yeah, somebody told me recently that the Han Dynasty in China. Um, uh, is is very similar to the Chinese word for hemp, which is um, hemp. And so, um, apparently, the dynasty was named after the plant, uh, or and or it might have been their logo or some or, or, or seal or something. Do you know anything about that? No, no, because I'm uh, Ch Chinese history. I'm not really 
Fair enough. Fascinated. I know a lot of Chinese history, prehistoric, uh -huh. but not uh, not after not uh, the after. dynasty after uh, after the Han, like when they really became really uh, China. Basically, mm -hmm. it's uh, for me like uh, the my, the part that I uh, I study in my book. It's from uh, two million years ago to wow. the, from the birth of, of the plant to uh, to the Persian Empire and the beginning of the Muslim Empire, like to the 13th century, mm. uh, to explain a little bit Ashishin and uh, and stuff like that. But there is nothing in between. Wow. Only only recently there is actually a solid evidence of the use of cannabis resin before the 13th century. When the first things you, you do, it's you stick resin on your hand when you, when you touch the plant. I don't think so. Mm. And finally, they found out in, uh, in Israel, in a, in a temple, in an old Judaic temple, 3,000 years old Judaic temple, Uh, they were two pillars in the holy of the holy. That means like a, a very small room. On one pillar, they analyzed what was the, the burn remains that were on it. On one, it was um, uh, ah, not mere frankincense. Frankincense. Thank you very much. And on the other one they find cannabinoids, mm. but with no remain of flower, mm. with the remain of dunk, uh, dunk poop, like uh, they use uh, dried uh, dunk to, uh, to burn, that they use a lot there. Yeah. So that was the first okay. evidence of the use of ash as an incense. Mm. That means like you could, you could buy kingdom with frankincense and myrrh and ash, which explain a lot the secrecy around it. When you have something very rare, very expensive, you're the only dude who really know how to do it. Ah, you don't spell the bean too much. Yeah. At the same time, on the other side of the continent, like all pretty much ash culture, it's you find uh, in the same frame time, 3,000 years old, on the Silk Road, like in Kalara uh, Desert, that uh, desert be, uh, that goes, uh, that close the Pamir Mountain and then goes to, uh, to Afghanistan. <coughs> There is a, a desert, the Tarim Basin, the Tarim Desert. The, the Silk Road goes on both sides and passes through the Pamir Mountain to go to Afghanistan and down to the Mediterranean Sea. It's, uh, it's a Silk Road. It's, uh, it's been used for tens of millions of years by any migratory animal and uh, a lot of humanity went through there too. <coughs> In you that, did say the Silk Road? Uh, yeah, I mean, they were, yeah, that's, they, that's old culture of ash there. For sure. That's, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, Yarkan and it's like when uh, when in the 18th century when the English were really strong the ash was imported some of the best ash came from the Tarim Basin 
and uh, Afghanistan, uh, Turkmenistan. <coughs> so it's like it was really ash countries there. But 3,000 years ago, the oldest solid evidence of the use of cannabis in general, there it's flowers. There is three tombs. One is a shaman with like 700 grams of, uh, of flour. Uh, one with uh, the full plant, 13 full plants on his chest. Uh, and another tomb, it's Brazero with stone, like Brazero in heavy wood with stone, and they put the flower to burn the Uh, to burn them during ceremony, the hot box. Wow. Like in Israel, the same. The first form of smoking, it was the priest and they were hot boxing. Mm. Hardcore. <laughs> so it's like, it's interesting because I always thought the, the birth of Ash would have been more toward Afghanistan and uh, those regions of the Tarim Basin and uh, And Mongolia, and in fact, it, it may well be coming from Lebanon, Egypt, or, uh, or Israel, which makes sense because that's where there is a lot more humanity that has been staying there and mixed up. They had school teaching other, uh, like with, with different Neanderthal. Homo sapiens and most certainly Homo erectus together on the same place, teaching its other tech and stuff like that. It's pretty trippy. We, we learn a, a lot. Like they, they add a certain way to talk because they could pass down knowledge from yeah. generation after generation. You know what I mean? There is a lot that we, uh, because we, uh, we thought that being human was so di different. We, uh, we are learning stuff from our past that uh, we have a lot of uh, Neanderthal in, uh, in us. It's like when, when you put the DNA and the, gene, uh, the genome into play, uh, you, you can see that we interbreed. And if, if you interbreed, there is a pass, passing down of knowledge also. Cannabis must have been really important from day one. in mm. type of... Uh, of early civilization like that, that's something that, uh, that you share and uh, mm. something that has been part of us for, for the longest time, but you don't find it in a history book and you don't find anything really concrete further than three, four, five thousand years ago, which is not mm. because we should be able to track it millions of years. Well, it's definitely up to us to, to do this documenting now, you know, and uh, God willing in the future, you know, people will be able to look back and say, at least these people were able to do it. And, you know, it, perhaps it was done throughout time and, you know, powers that be burned it all and erased all the history. And, and you know, that's why we only find a little bit sometimes. And that's that's a big thing, too, which is why freedom and, and, and community and 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 organization is so important because, um, you know, those, those of us who are organized tend to do a little better than those of us who aren't. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the knowledge of the, of the history give you a, give you a value mm. point and put you 
into that story somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like the future is definitely more important than the past to a certain point. So it's like, as much as we need to learn from our past, it's how can you use that knowledge to make the game better for the, for the future. That's why I study uh, aging ash. It's like I've smoked aged ash nonstop when I was in India from 12 years old to uh, just made and everything in between. Mm. I've seen the transformation. It's like, I know it gets better. I, I tested it like hundreds of times. But as long as I didn't have the science, a little bit of, so let's, let's take uh, the flower, the resin gland, press the resin gland, but keep some resin gland unpressed and let's lab test this every month kept in such a temperature in the, uh, in such a way to see what's happened. You know what I mean? And, uh, wow. There is a lot happening. Mm. There is a lot more than I, uh, I ever saw. And we were just scratching the, the surface. It wasn't like uh, a great testing. It was really just to see, okay, what's up? <laughs> You're saying that... To, uh, the resin was way was uh, way more potent than the flower. That's what you're saying. Uh, like, yes, but um, the flower over six months, uh, there is no transformation into CBN. None. Okay. Not whatsoever. There is just a little bit for the ash that has been pressed. Uh, but just after pressing, I had in the ash pressed, it had more terpene content. Overboard, huh? 30 something uh, terpene than the unpressed, uh, unpressed uh, resin gland. So the pressed resin with heat had a um, broader spectrum or more cannabinoids than no, the. No, 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 no. It's like there no. were more percentage of every one of the terpene content. Wow. I mean, not much, huh? So but you said terpene content. Terpene content. Okay, okay. okay? The cannabinoid content started to change from one month uh, after a month and two. I have literally THCV mm. forming, coming out of nowhere <laughs> after two, three months. No idea why. So it's like, I have, I, I, I can see just the terpene and the cannabinoid transformation over six months. Mm. Give you an idea. It's like, oh, wow, there is a lot happening. Now it's like, Let's make it, let's make it more uh, professional so that you can literally write a, a scientific paper around it sure. and, uh, and do it with uh, over a three years period, uh, 30 different uh, cultivars uh, coming from indoor. So we have a super uh, strong control and I'm working with the PhD and the support of a university it's like it's born, it's like, but it, it can be like uh, in the 18th century when they understood what was fermentation and they started really to age wine. Before the 18, mid-18th century, we made good wine. Mm. You know what I mean? 
I, it's good stuff, but I don't know what I'm doing. Is, uh, <laughs> they made great wine when they understood the mm. process that they could control it, manipulate it uh, a little bit, so they could create those amazing Bordeaux and stuff. That's what we uh, we have. Uh, that's the future of the of the ash for me. It's uh, this is the future because. You don't want to have to buy my ash this year, maybe. No problem. It's going to be more expensive next year and the year after. And then it becomes like, do you want me to age it for you? So you come in 10 years and you're going to pay that much? Or do you want to pay that much now and you age mm. yourself? Like people do for the birth of a kid and... Uh, and the wedding, and you know what I mean. Yes, I, um, you know, it brings me back. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a time, it was many years ago, and uh, and at the time, uh, I think it was Nick T that um, I, I was growing this uh, strain, Bruce Banner, and I wanted to make it into hash, and and uh, homie was like, all right, bring me some some uh, fresh frozen. And I was like, I want to cure it. You know what I mean? And so I or maybe I just had it cured. It wasn't fresh frozen. So, you know, the favor was done. It got it got done and it was fire and it, it stayed fire for a long time. And I remember a year or two later smoking some with him and him being like, what's this? And I'm like, yo, you made it for me a couple of years ago. I'm telling you that curing it is better and he was like ah you know and everybody loves fresh frozen and just salute to nicotine is amazing at the same time the the you know the game in itself like you know the the industry standard i think nowadays is fresh frozen and you pull it a little early and you get uh you know that's just what a lot of people are doing whereas for me, I want to take it to full term. I want to cure it. And I want it to do what it's supposed to do. And that's exactly what you're talking about. So we're on the same page. And I know a lot of people do things in, in uh, different ways. And um, but but I, like, I, this, this, is, this is a very important point. Because mm. trying to compare Ashish and Andrug from India or Nepal, Charas. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. Mm -hmm. You can compare it. You yeah. like one better than the other. Fine. But you cannot compare because yeah. it's so, so different. Yeah. And like, that's the beauty of the plant. She yeah. gives you two peaks of quality. <laughs> she gives you that full terpene profile of, uh, of the plant at the peak of the flowering cycle that you can lock down by freezing and, uh, and collect whenever. Or and rub in a mountain in uh, in India or uh, or Nepal, or you dry, you cure. When you dry, you lose a lot of terpen. Yeah, seventy eighty percent. Yeah, but the terpen that stay, they their polymer bound. There is a polymerization happening. They blossom. And and, and it changes the terpen profile. The terpen mm. profile of a cure flower is not the same than the terpen profile of that flower just dried or live. Okay. And the Pinot Noir from, uh, from Leo from Aficionado Estates, dude, 
the stuff live is nice. It's like uh, a field of flower with a nice hint of, uh, of lavender <laughs> on south of France. I'm a sucker for it. I love it. But the dried and cure, it's like chocolate. Mm. Taste and smell. <laughs> I swear to God, it tastes and smells like chocolate. Everybody that smokes that Pinot Noir, it's like no fucking way. Mm. You know what I mean? So what do you like the best? Is that life better than it all this all gonna depend on a, on a cultivar? And if you know your terpene profile, you know which one are a tendency to be lost the fastest. That's the one you want to do live. A lot of the fruit, it's pretty it's nice to uh, to, to do it live. And the stone is is more towards the market, it's more like speedy like in india in mm. india the the charas you can smoke a lot of charas <laughs> you wouldn't be able to do the same with the ash mm. you wouldn't be able to uh to do what need to be done during the day to uh to survive in the himalayan mountain if you were smoking too much but the charas it give you an uh an energy because there is that vast amount of uh of terpenes that uh, that you have in uh, in your mass of resin, it makes a huge difference. So mm. like, <laughs> to say that one is better than in the other, it's not fair, and it's yeah. it's bad for both sides. It's like why don't we stop comparing and start appreciating? You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Uh, I never say that traditional ash is better than any other concentrate. I have a lot of respect for other concentrate, but I am dedicated to traditional ash. It's like I'm fascinated by all the new aspect of rosin that is following the BHO cutting edge uh, extractors. It's crazy what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like I have so much to learn on traditional ash right now that there is no way I can I can dedicate myself to uh, to any other concentrate. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. My boy Jay Glaze always says you could be you could be good at a lot of things, or you can be great at one thing. And you know, you seem to know what you love and what you're doing best. You're sticking with it, and and and. You even said, like, that's fascinating that you've been doing it for so long, yet you said you still have even more to learn with this. And so that's a beautiful thing. It shows your, your gratitude for what you do. Every day, every run, every, every time, every time I press, every time, every, every time I, to, I touch a new cultivar, that's the beauty of it. And yeah. today you think that you're better than, uh, than the plot has to teach you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the day you ruin a batch. <laughs> You know, there's, there is something to be said also about the fact that the plant has the terpenes, or at least one of the reasons that the plant has the terpenes that I've, that I've uh, um, um, learned is to protect itself. And so the live plant, the terpenes are one of the barriers that will protect it from, let's say, a bug that wants to eat it. It makes it really spicy and not... Uh, um, you know, not desirable. So that changes over time as it cures, it um, evolves or matures to um, a different, completely different flavor profile and something that is 
desirable now as opposed to when it was alive it wants to make itself undesirable though there's a different smoking profile and as you were saying with the fruit strains bruce banner is strawberry uh diesel crossed with an og and i remembered that when i pulled it early and then we ran it it had way more strawberry undertones and when we met it, let it go later it was way more gassy and so it was just really really amazing that you just brought that up now, during the last two weeks of uh, flowering time, there is a lot happening in those raising grounds. And it happens that two weeks before the peak of the flowering cycle, you have a three days window, you can get a lot of gland with a lot of cannabinoid and terpene content, but there is no resin formed inside. They're super light. And the closest you, you come to your three days peak window, the more resin is formed inside the gland. Mm. To the point where I can tell you to the day how early or how late you've been harvesting. <laughs> But it's like I, uh, I harvest the, the problem You cannot know how much, you cannot know what is happening behind the membrane. The color of the, of the gland is not going to be helpful. And the size either, because those trichon glands are not part of the main metabolism of the plant. They are created by the plant to protect itself. Okay. That's it. It's an, it's a protuberance. That has, that is so toxic to the plant that the plant need an amazing level of control to be able to, uh, to handle that shit and use it to control the outside world. It's like to be able to, uh, they control everything, not only pollination for the plant that, uh, that use, uh, terpen for that. But to uh, attract uh, insects, to repel insects, to, uh, to kill other plants. It's like it's, uh, the, the plant kingdom can produce 200,000 organic compounds in their trichome. And there is a lot of plants that produce trichome on, uh, in the plant, in the plant kingdom. 200,000 compound from the most toxic to the most beneficial and everything in between. And we don't understand, we don't even know truly the power that the plant kingdom holds in those trichon glands. So hold on one second, one second. Did you say that there's over 200,000 compounds in a trichome? In the trichome, in, 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 in trichome in the world plant kingdom. Okay, okay. So there's other plants other than cannabis that have trichomes. Other than cannabis. I bet. Amazing. This is, this is a lot of power. Mm. This is a lot of power. And we can feel those compounds like opiate, like cannabinoid, like everything that the plant kingdom produce as a as a compound that we feel as a, as a, as a drug, basically, as a, a mind altering uh, compound. It's because 300 
million years ago, the plant kingdom went at war with the insect kingdom. Mm. And the insect build up uh, adaptation to what the plant kingdom was throwing at them. And we are wired like the, we, we are like our wiring in our body is direct descending from, uh, from the insect world. That's why you can feel an opiate and any other drug for that matter. Because, because insects were here before us. And they deal with <laughs> the plant kingdom to such a, an extreme co-evolution that when they went at war, they adapted to each other so that both sides uh, could, uh, could prosper better because it's all about survival on both sides. So when they reach a deal, when both sides are really win winner, then there is that evolution coming up. Mm. And we are at the end of that chain. And all the deals that they've been making for 300 million years, well, it's why we can uh, feel Datura, Peyote, everything that is mind-altering come from that war long, long ago from the, between the plant world and, uh, and the insect world. I was blown away when I learned that. It's like, oh, wow. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> let's make a deal. We both get to live. Evolution. It's pretty crazy. Unfortunately, well, let's just say, fortunately, there's people like us who are considering the fact that these agreements need to be made because they are um, absolutely needed in our world, especially today, from more of us who are willing to make these agreements with our world and be considerate of who we are, what we take in our bodies, all of the symbiotic organisms that live in us and, with, and around us that you know and other organisms that we don't live in symbiosis with that we impact when we move around yeah and, no, I, I believe it's important it's like i believe we uh, we are messenger to a to a certain level it doesn't matter how, how deep you are into the cannabis industry or uh, alternative medicine like uh, like mushroom and uh, and psychedelic uh, medicine it's like it's you have more responsibility toward the planet and toward other human beings that somebody who doesn't know about it, basically. So it's your duty to educate yourself as much as you can so that you can share it with others in a way that is constructive, especially now with social media. Frenchie, what would you say your contribution to our world is? Um, well, bringing back the traditional ash and temple ball uh, in a state the way it's going well, is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. But I, I, want, I want to be able to give the future generation a, a, a knowledge of aging. And I want also to, uh, to give the knowledge of what is happening during that, those two weeks. In Canada, at the same time than the aging part, we're going to do uh, the last two weeks 
of the formation of the trichon gland on the flower in 30 different grow room. Every day, we're going to take a picture and we're going to take some glands from the same flower where that we take the picture or close by like the, the same plateau and analyze the, the terpene profile and cannabine profile and resin content of, of the gland every day for the, la for the last uh, two weeks. Wow. With, uh, and, uh, and learn from that. How long is that process going to, is that study going to take place? Uh, ben, we are putting it together uh, now. We just finished the first one. And so, we, and you say that it, it was a three-year study? No, that was six months. That six was months. Scratching the surface, and now we have people that came to us who want to, to play the game. The guy is giving us like, uh, okay, I have, the, I have 30 grow room. It's LP Canada. Uh, I have scientists on my, uh, on my board. He works with uh, the lab that was doing the testing for us in connection with, uh, with university. So now it's different. I work in, uh, with the government and uh, you know what I mean? It's another level in Canada because it's, it's truly legalized. So I, uh, I have access to, uh, to science. And if you show them those, those numbers, And I, I speak my speech about aging and stuff like that. The people who are gonna have those, that knowledge, but it has to be the deal is also, it's like I'm, uh, I give my knowledge free. So this knowledge is, will be available for everyone. It's not that we're gonna hide anything. This is gonna be shared. They, they will be the first one and, uh, it gives them a huge advantage, but that knowledge, it's not only for that company we're working with. That knowledge is going to be online for everybody to, uh, to follow every step. And if we can have help and do that in Israel and in California and in Colorado, yeah, I want to do it. The more the merrier because we can work with different strengths, with different people, even if it's the same condition and stuff like that. It's still different farmer and methodologies that come into play. <clears throat> well, bravo on that. You know, I, I'm definitely a proponent of the freedom of uh, information in terms of how, you know, <clears throat> if I learn how to help myself or save somebody's life, what does that do if I share that information with somebody else? If you're, you're, you're learning how to deliver this, what I'm going to call medicine, in what you're going to call the proper way and what better way is there to do that than what you know sharing that and giving that out so thank you you know well, but it's like you make a big deal of it guys but it's just because it's the cannabis industry mm. in the outside world it's called evolution mm. when you give the next generation everything you know that they can become better than you at what is your passion in life, your craft. You know, I mean, there is nothing more rewarding for a craftsman than to be able to share with the passion and to see your student becoming better than you because that's the name of the, that's the, name of the game. To, to be able to give the tool to the next generation so that traditional ash 
can get bigger and uh, and better. Uh, hell, I don't, uh, I don't need nothing more. <laughs> it's it's like the re my reward is the success of the people I'm teaching. Mm. Like, wow. Well, that says a lot about your character. You know, one of the reasons <laughs> I do this show is because I, you know, I love to share what inspires me. And in this way, I feel as though luminaries in our in our society are well served to be put uh you know to have a window opened up into who who that is and i feel like you are you know i always say you're the only one that loves what you love the way you love it and that's your magic and that's what you brings to that's what you bring to our world and i mean in that way you're living you're living a magical life you're living the dream and you're i mean aside from the incredible story that you shared if and if somebody only knew what you were doing and with your life right now you know i would say that most people would say wow he's definitely living the dream and you know uh, i i just i just want to i just want to give you your flowers while you're alive and say thank you for your contribution and the way that you seem to be you know your heart's in the right place for the benefit of humanity and the and 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 I see that you know I see your light and um, so I just want to salute you. No, but also it's like yeah. it, it, it's people think that I'm the best, the king of ash, the best ash maker, and and all that. I am not. I am as good as my farmer. I I was as good as the place I was going when I traveled. When I traveled, when I was 20, nobody cared. Mm -hmm. I made the ash, but everybody wanted to know where did you go to make it, which valley, which hamlet, and that's the value because that's the value of the, the of the genetic you work with and the land that gave the power to uh, to that plant. It's not me collecting it on my hand or sieving it with the uh, with the locals that made that raising good. And everybody, when I traveled for 20 years. Yeah, they appreciate that you did it yourself. It's cool because there is a story with it and shit. But it's like, it's where were you making that ash? Where does it come from? Yeah. That's the real, I'm a winemaker. You give me shitty grape, I make shitty wine. Yeah. And uh, all ash makers, every extractor, we're all the same. We're 101% dependent on our farmer and none of us give credit to a farmer, the genetics they work with, and the land it has been grown uh, uh, on it. And that's the shame of the industry. It's like everybody wants to be a brand, but nobody gives respect to the, to the source, to the beginning, to what makes you a brand. It's mm. the quality the farmer is growing for you. It's the quality that breeder has been working on for uh, years before putting on a, on a market. That's why you become famous, baby. But it's not you that is good. It's just people that give you the goodness. <laughs> you, you know, people, you're right, though. You're right. You know, all the oil that, you know, whatever it is, the, your, 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 your product is only as good as your starting material. That's what you have the potential of making. 
And so thank you for bringing that up and salute to all the incredible growers out there who are doing it right and allowing us to have proper oil. You farmer, own your shit, dude. When you're good, you want your name on that packaging because you give them, if they want, if they want to do greatness, they need that level of quality. When there is not that many of you that can get really the great quality. When you can, uh, be aware of it and uh, don't sell yourself cheap. It's like, uh, it's, uh, especially when you come from growing region like the Emerald Triangle, for example, here or, or BC or, uh, or you work with any special genetic. It's like, it has to be known by the person who, uh, who smoke it. It's, it's such, a, such a great point. That is good from cigar to any agricultural product, uh, cooked food by the greatest chef. Dude, the guy harvests his veggie with his farmer, okay, to make that great food. Everybody knows about it. Everybody knows about that farmer, about the way he's working. We need to give the same respect, and we don't. It's like we're, we're green rusher. And we don't give the respect that is owned to the farmer. It's like, fuck it. It's not fair. Mm. Not in the market oh. tomorrow. Who are some of the growers that you're working with right now? Uh, it's all Emerald Triangle. And uh, farmers that do regenerative farming. Uh, they're all small. And uh, a few valleys that I love the best. There is the Matol River Valley. That is amazing, and it's Mad River Valley, Metal Metal River, Metal River Valley. It's uh, it's amazing. Fire, and the farmers there are really dedicated to their uh, to their craft. Otherwise, there is uh, the aficionado estate family that work in Humboldt with farm like Big Rock Farm, uh, Moodman Farm. There is a lot of a lot of the, the farming communities is amazing there. They're rich there. <laughs> They're the Bordeaux of cannabis, literally. I've been in many places, dude. I've seen a lot. I've smoked a lot. I've made a lot of hashish with a lot of different genetics in the bombest place in the world. <sighs> what you see up north is like, it's unreal. And this is, this is, this could be the future of the, of the cannabis industry worldwide. You're making my mouth water. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's like, it's not. While they did the appellation uh, d'origine and, uh, and all that, it's, they're boiling milk, okay? There's going to be some cream coming, coming up. They put a name to that cream, but what they're going to do with that cream, uh, nobody knows. Are you going to do the greatest cheese with that cream that you extract from your cream, from your milk, or are you going to let it spoil? Mm. For the moment, they really care about the pasteurized milk, and they don't care about what you could do with the cream. But it's, it's painful because it's it's like you could create appellation d'origine and. California and the Emerald Triangle would be the, the France and Bordeaux of the, of the cannabis industry. And it can be duplicated after. It's not that. 
it has to start by the Emerald Triangle because to be able to have the right to a terroir and the whole appellation is based on the terroir, the soil, really, truly, the living organism in the soil, <coughs> you, uh, you need to be recognized worldwide for, your, for the, the quality of your product. There is only two places in the world that I recognize worldwide for the quality of the product. <coughs> One is a little village in a remote valley in India called Malana, Malana Cream, if you want to check, Google it for, uh, and the other one is the Emerald Triangle. Emerald Triangle. So it's like the Emerald Triangle has everything that is necessary for any other product in Europe to become the center of the, an appellation uh, d'origine uh, uh, program, even if it's not the same that is used for product in, uh, in Europe, you, uh, that even if you want to reinvent the game, it's fine. But you have to make it so well that every, every new producing country that become legal would want to adapt that system like they have been taking it from the, from the French when they created it in, uh, in the late 18, uh, early 1900. Now everybody is using the same, uh, the same standardization uh, to be able to, uh, to get that level of quality. And uh, France, after not even 200 years, uh, they are not making the best wine in the world anymore. They are not producing the most wine in the world at all. They never have really. And uh, since the 18th century, that dedicated themselves to quality, but they will always be relevant because they made the game. Everything is French. It's like the quality standard of quality come from Bordeaux. That was the first standard of quality ever created in a, in a wine industry so that every wine that come after that has to look at, okay, this is the greatest quality. Where do I stand? We need mm -hmm. that flower. We need that for ash. And we need it per region. Mm. Because every is going to be different. Well, that's a whole nother level of the game where you, you're talking about the potential of exporting. You know, and that's, uh, it's like, all right, where in the world is this going to grow best? All right, we're going to get coconuts from this place and we're going to send them around the world because they're not going to grow where you are <laughs> and you can grow them where you are, but you're going to get a small coconut. <laughs> it's giving recognition to the region, to the small farmer, to an economy that already exists. Yeah. I mean, in France, before legalize it, before they became like, like pointed toward only creating quality and not quantity, it was a mess, cutting, and it was, uh, it was pretty ugly. So they, when the competition came around, the tea and coffee, you were boiling water, so you don't need wine to sanitize the water anymore to drink. Big business gone. Mm. And hard liquor came, were coming into play with beer. They couldn't even compete on the buzz side. So now you don't, you don't drink wine to get buzzed. 
you drink wine for the pleasure of drinking wine. <laughs> well, smoking cannabis is very much the same. Mm. I, I smoke it mostly for the pleasure of smoking it now. You know, I mean, it wasn't like that when I was young. Yeah. Definitely, but now it had become more of a, the pleasure I receive uh, through, through the journey that bring me to the well-beingness that I'm looking for. But I don't care if the journey is long, as long as it's yummy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, most... most uh I'm very picky, so I completely, <laughs> I completely understand what you're saying, and um, quality over quantity, definitely. You know, it's 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 funny because, you know, going from somebody who, growing up, I didn't really like drinking that much, and and I saw, or even you know, there was very few things that I really really loved, and um, cannabis ended up being one of them. So I could look at a nugget and just tell you all the beautiful things that come into my mind about what I'm looking at or what I'm, what, how I'm analyzing it or whatever, the same way somebody's going to look at a car and tell you all about the engine and, and yada, yada, that, you know, I have no idea about it. I don't even look at it the same way. And so, and that's what I meant earlier. It's like, when I said, nobody's going to love what you love the same way that you love it. Even the people that you learn from, you know, everybody makes it in their own way. And we all have, that's why you said, like, if you do it well, put your name on it and put it out there because we all have the ability to shine. We're all made for a reason. There's only one of each of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see it in my, uh, I do a hash porn contest, like uh, semi-regularly. And I, I just- I was showing somebody the pictures the other day. You got the hash porn contest pictures are pretty amazing. For it's real. Like, like, it blew my mind away. So it's like to be the platform for- uh, for young craftsmen that do that type of stuff, I mean, it's uh, it's very uplifting, and uh, want you to uh, to work basically. But it puts a pep back in your step. The, uh, at the same time, it's like people when, when they show me their their first second temple ball ever in their life. It's like, dude, that type of quality. I didn't see that stuff until I actually went to the producing country and uh, mm. with a local before they they broke the piece and they show you what what it is. It's like whoa! No, it's uh, it's funny to go from the scum of the world to a, <laughs> to a rock star in a in a lifetime, <laughs> being passionate about something that uh, did so much for me, quite basically. Mm. Well, you know, I, I feel like, you know, we're all kind of reflections of each other, if, if you know, being blessed. And in that way, you know, I've met you and I can tell that you're, you know, you have a, a, a good energy about you. And so I feel like that's likely one of the reasons that you're attracting more good energy and that this vortex is happening and, and, and more magic gets to happen. So, you know, when I'm, uh, when I have the glasses on and I'm seeing, you know, darkness or negativity or what I, when I have the glasses on, I'm seeing what I don't like. I'm bringing that in, you know, into my view. When I have the glasses on that I'm seeing what I like, I'm bringing that in my view. And then I'm experiencing what I like and what I love. 
And I'm seeing that in you. And I'm in that, you know, that's why I salute you because, you know, we all have this ability. This is what the, one of the reasons that this podcast exists is to offer the insight as to where we draw the, how we draw the inspiration into creating that into a world, like take, taking a thought and making it a reality, a dream, bringing it to life. And to, to make it, make it happen. It's like, mm. People were telling me, oh, but you're so lucky to try to have done what you did. It's like, dude, the only things I did was I took all the money I've had. I sold everything I ever had. Everything I had could fit into a little backpack. And I left France. I, when I went to India, I had 450 bucks in my pocket. No airplane ticket, no nada. When I closed the door, behind me to go to India from south of France, uh, I had 450 bucks in my, uh, in my pocket. I came back a year later uh, with enough to make money to, uh, to live again two weeks later. And it's like, and then after that, I didn't even go back home because I didn't need it. Mm. It's like, I'm going to say, I just got my passport. I'm with you. Traveling, it's a bit different because you need full freedom to be able to do it. You, you need no responsibility, no family, no dog, no, uh, no nothing. Yes. Not yes. The most important things is you and where you're going. There is nothing else in life. Rest in peace, Barkley. I'll be traveling here real soon, though. <laughs> You know, definitely, uh, I feel exactly what you're saying. You, you, you need to be able to fully commit into your travels and be able to embrace what, you know, be that sponge. Because if, if, if our mind is elsewhere, it, it's, it's hard to fully engage in the now. doesn't matter what you do, traveling or whatever you really want to do, but you need to be able to commit it to a point where when you wake up in the morning, you really want your day to start. Mm. Don't wait for her to have your day to start because you love it. If it's not like that when you wake up in the morning, dude, think about it. Something is not good in your life. You need to make some choice. That's Bro, that, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, I'm always like talking to people about, you know, figuring out what, what, what you love and then, you know, doing it. Because then you're going to find yourself doing what you love. And I do what I love. And somebody said, you can work until one in the morning. I was like, <laughs> I love it. You know, I just had to work late. And, um, um, you know, at the same time, <clears throat> there are those of us who are respectable and, and, and feel like, hey, I love what I do. Uh, or, excuse me. I know what I love. I don't feel called to do that for a living for whatever reason it may be. They don't, you know what I mean? At the same time, um, you know, if you can find something that you like, not necessarily love, but you like, and it's able to sustain you for your life, as well as doing the things you love outside of that, more power to you. For me, I got to be doing what I love. Otherwise, I'm probably not going to be doing it. <laughs> it, it really depends on the person. Some are, some are more adaptive and they can, uh, yeah. they can take uh, the lesser deal to be able to... Uh, often, it's not even... For themselves, for the family or uh, for, uh, for the outside world. This is the problem. It's like, yeah, it's hard to say that you should think only of yourself, but you're, you're alone. 
in life, there's nobody who's going to make your life for you. So is it wise to try to make the life of somebody else? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that person normally wouldn't be able to do it because, but because that person uses you as a, as a cane, as a roller, or I don't know how you call that, uh, it can go further. Is it healthy? And how much can you afford to give that without impeding into your work towards what you're supposed to become? You know what I mean? There is that fine line of uh, filling our own cup. Of yourself. So we- uh, you need to take care of yourself to be really, really strong to be able to uh, to walk people over at the same time that you do your own work. You know what I mean? It's like you're hell of an amazing person to be able to uh, to carry a lot of people with you when uh, when you walk your uh, your life. Mm. Yeah, you know it's tough to fill up an, uh, another cup from our empty cup. You know we got to fill up our own cup, and that's really important. You know, and it's important to remember, and it's a great reminder to you know drink drink more water and to get some sun, to dance to a song that you love once a day, or just take some deep breaths, nice, easy, smooth, deep breaths, because we're at ease rather than dis-ease when we're breathing, like, you know, relaxed and through our nose. Diversity, because if there is no diversity, your weakness are going to stand out. When there is every diversity, when there is diversity, everyone has weaknesses. Mm. But when you work together, everyone is compensating everybody else weaknesses, and it works fine. But you really need to to give yourself to the to that family group, to that community, to be able to uh, to truly make it happen. But it's like we all weak. We all have. That, uh, it's we, like each individual finger is kind of weak, but when we put them together, that's that, that's really really strong. You know. Yeah. 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 One hand wash the other, both wash the face. <laughs> Frenchie, it's been a pleasure talking with you, really. Um, one thing, did you, in, in, in doing this study that you're uh, uh, about to embark on again, um, about the two weeks uh, in the final stages of a plant's life before you pick it, before you harvest it, um, Do you consider lighting? Like one of my friends, so one of the things that he does, or at least used to do, I have to talk to him and see if he's still doing this, is the last week he turns the lights off. Complete darkness. Is that something that you consider or, you know, any, anything along those lines? The plant is going gonna, is gonna to flip out. It's the end of the world. So when you... Because trichon glands are part of the defensive system of the plant, the plant is gonna, that, that is going to be triggered. Even if they don't, the plant doesn't know what the fuck is going on and how to deal with it, it's like it's going to, uh, it's going to protect, it's going to, technically speaking, grow more trichon or bigger 
or something is going to happen in with that defensive uh, system. Something definitely happens. He's at least he's convinced that something is happening. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> or at least sure. that was years ago. I don't know what what he's doing yeah, right now. Know for sure, something is happening. And <laughs> I've heard people, a few people doing uh, doing that. You you flip them out. It's the same than when you break them uh, a week or so before harvest. The plant thinks that it's, di it's dying. Mm -hmm. So it's overcompensating because it didn't yet produce the seeds. So you said the week before some people are breaking them so that the plant finishes? The plant thinks that it's dying. It's at the end. Stress-induced. Yeah. Which is one way that you can sex a plant when it's young if you really need to figure out its, its uh, gender. You can stress it with some darkness and then, you know, it'll show itself. The jungle boys, I know, they play with uh, ice. <clears throat> ice? Yeah. They, uh, they use cold. Tell me more, because I feel like if I did that, I'd kill it. Tell me, tell me more. <laughs> on, the, on the roots. Ice on the roots? Yeah. Huh. Inducing like some sort of winter state so it finishes. Yeah the defensive system of the, of the plant. But like when you grow indoor, you don't need to, uh, to make uh, the night really cold and the day really hot to trigger that. You, uh, to trigger it, the plant is gonna, as soon as it gets a little not so comfortable anymore and it's thinking that it's getting, it's increasing, the plant is going to trigger it. It's happening. Yeah. It's like it's, the plant start protecting it's straight from the, from the from the beginning. So you don't really need to stress your plant per se. You just need to add a few degrees on a week's uh, on a week span for the plant to say, oh, it's getting too warm here. So wait, wait, wait. You're saying that we don't have to change the light schedule. We just have to change the temperature? Yeah. At night also, I would make it colder. So, so still have to change to 12-12, though make it a little colder at night. That's what I'm understanding. You need to the flower time. Before that, you don't have much trichon formation anyway. Yeah. yeah. That's how I made the blue Bruce Banner. The blue banner around the time of Breaking Bad <laughs> was making it a little colder at night. It would come out a little purpley. If you were colder at night, it goes into the purple also. Yeah. Well, to protect itself. Which is a little stress-induced. <laughs> the plant material gets darker and the raising gland gets denser. Mm. To protect the, the plant material from, uh, from being burned by the cold. Sure. And when it's hot, so, so that the, the, the leaves don't dehydrate. When you have a lot of trichon gland next to each other, that the gland almost touch each other, it makes like a roof. And the, the size of the stock, it's your air-conditioned space where the temperature of the air is not going to change much. This mm. is the buffer that protects the leaf itself from dehydrating or, uh, or getting burned by the, by the cold. Mm. Fascinating. I love the visual. All the trichomes together like a roof. 
would be really nice to be able to, to follow when, when you grow indoor that would be interesting to, uh, to snap macro photo of the flower uh, and see the progression and uh, if there is a progression sure well definitely um, you know some uh, some some people are going to probably have better abilities to do that than others depending on what you're growing for right uh, yeah. Yeah, how much you care. <laughs> um, this is a bit nerdy also. Or you just or you just move weed <laughs> or you uh, you grow cannabis and uh, you're a craftsman. So and in between it doesn't really exist yet much because the market is so unstable and uh, and so into a, a formative uh, osmosis for the moment but it's like uh, you need to be able to have the lab working with you basically because that's a costly definitely key and my um you know folk in, in where i'm i don't want to say industry but uh you know i focus on on people and animals so in that way to know you know to have some data and know how to replicate success is 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 generally pretty important <laughs> though everybody's different and like you said every strain every cultivar is different and you know you learn something new because everybody you know you might have the same cultivar but a different pheno of it and you're gonna have to learn exactly what what how greasy that one is and yada yada you know hey frenchy when you once again thank you for all all your time and and in wrapping up this uh, amazing session i want to know when you're walking around the world in the world and you're doing what you do, is there ever anything that you think about? You're like, man, I, w I really wish people knew this. You know, this would be a great time to uh, to share that. Yeah, no, I wish people will show more respect to traditional ash. To simply, I wish people wouldn't compare traditional ash and extract. It's very mm -hmm. much like comparing wine and grappa or, uh, or ethanol. You know what I mean? It's like from grape, you can make many grape alcohol, but you can make only wine if you crush the whole fruit. And ashish is very much that. Within the resin, there is a nucleus, a matrix that created everything. And that is dissolved and uh, absorbed by, by the resin through time. When you take that out of the equation, it's very much like taking the juice from a fruit. Mm. Then you can make alcohol. You can refine it and make alcohol. And you can make many different uh, grape alcohol. But you cannot make... But wine is a very specific alcoholic beverage by itself. You wouldn't compare wine and, and cognac or wine yeah. and brandy. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, that's what we do. It's like the whole concentrate universe extract maker are, my take is the best, the other one is not, uh, are not. And traditional ash, you, you're a caveman. No, it's like, if you really knew if you really understood the plant and the resin, you wouldn't say that because you cannot compare it. 
there is no comparison to be made between rosin and the ash squished from the rosin. It's like it's not the diff it's not the same buzz whatsoever. And when you analyze it, there is a lot of part missing in it. Mm -hmm. And the other extract doesn't matter how much respect I have for all those extraction uh, people and, uh, and product. Well, they cannot be compared with each other. You don't compare uh, tequila and, uh, and whiskey saying that one is better than the other. You may like one better than the other, but you have a lot of respect for the, for the craft, uh, craftsmanship of the dudes that can make you a 25 years uh, age whiskey or, you know what I mean? Or yeah. sake or is that we don't have that, that respect for the other craft because we are so into uh, what I do is, uh, is the best that we are losing track of uh, appreciating the diversity that the plant is. Mm. It's like, it's pretty sad. You know, I feel that because in, with Gorilla Healer, we have a full spectrum oil that's different than 99% of the industry. And 99% of the industry is made with a CO2 extraction. Most people are distilling it. So you're working with a distillate that have the terpenes separated out and therefore is not the same, you know, uh, recipe that mother nature offered any longer and so then many are taking it from there to an isolate now respect to each one of those and all the extractors that do all of those at the same time for me and my purposes i'm looking for the most um you know holistic approach to the natural locks and keys of our body and how we're designed and so therefore i'm going to look to preserve the way that it was in nature and the way that that strong plant you know um that has survived through millions of years is going to deliver us the, the medicine that i want the the nutrients that we need and that for me is you know it only happens when we're doing the kind of extraction that preserves those compounds rather than is separating them and then takes man to put it back in that's why i'm really uh i i'm i'm, I'm torn on those of us who are drinking ro water and drinking super super filtered water and then re-adding minerals back into it because while that might be better than drinking you know chock uh, uh water chock full of chemicals at the same time it's not as good as if we find a really healthy water source and we're getting the minerals replenished in our body because when we're finishing a cannabis plant, any grower knows that you finish off with just flushing with just water. And at that point, you're getting, if you were growing, if you're not necessarily growing in living soil and you were using nutrients, bottle nutrients or something like that, then you're flushing at the end so that you can, you know, make the plant back to its natural state. Uh, and and get all those salts out of it, and that's one of the things that we do to ourselves if we're drinking stripped water. We get we're stripping ourselves. That's what we're doing if we're looking for medicine and we're taking something that has been stripped of its of many beneficial compounds. It's not necessarily going to work as well as something that you know had everything preserved. So I feel like it's the same thing with hash. It's the same thing with hash oil, which is basically cannabis oil. And um, you know, it's a beautiful thing that we have. Hash oil is pardon. Don't have that matrix anymore either in it. I have no idea what you just said. Can you please repeat it? Like you, ash oil, an extract from ash, 
is not the same than ash because it's just the juice of the fruit. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole fruit crushed into, sure. uh, into that mass. You know what I mean? So it's like you lose part of the entourage effect. You lose a bunch of compounds. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, uh, you win into uh, how to manipulate it to be able to have it absorbed by, uh, by patient also. Mm. It's much more limited. Uh, the ash, it has to become coconut oil, uh, unfiltered to be able to, uh, to still retain uh, all that. So it's... Which is precisely what we do. I remember when I let you taste it back at um, some... Uh, I, I did a, a vending thing with my friend Nick McCombs of Prometheus Genetics. He's a great breeder. Um, definitely check them out. Um, and I, I said, Frenchie, I want you to taste this oil. And you're like, eh. And I was like, come on, bro. It's, it's different than everything here. And you're like, all right. And you tasted it. And you're like, wow, this could be by itself just salad dressing, you know? And uh, I, I, I'd love to send you some more so you can see again. But, you know, I, I feel like... It's 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 what you're saying. Like when you when you juice fruits, you know, a lot of people are doing the juicing thing because it's it's good for us, especially if they if you can get it right off the tree, you're getting fresh enzymes. At the same time, um, it's a little bit different. You're not going to get the same thing as if you're eating the fruit, right? You're just getting the juice. So there's you you you're missing the full spectrum of it. So I feel like that's what you're touching on, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and. Uh you would need to, to extract from the plant directly to really cause that full spectrum. I had a big... Okay, so versus just extracting the oil from hash. Uh, already hash, it's not full spectrum. Yeah, yeah. You know, me, mine, I call it, it's 45 to 160, and I call it wide spectrum. But uh, because I, I've been lectured by a PhD doctor, who explained me what is full spectrum and full spectrum, it's 500 compounds plus of the plant. Straight up. Yeah. You so unless your oil or your, 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 your product has all these compounds in there, it's probably a little more broad than full. Yeah, it's like a nine, it's two. What is in a wow. gland? And the gland is 250, something like that. So there is 250 compounds in the plant material that people who do ethanol, for example, can, can, uh, can collect. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. Oh, but we don't really know those compounds. Mm. So it's like it's when you're successful with a product, it's already complicated because there is so much in those 250 compounds to know why that specific uh, ratio of cannabinoid and terpene works so well with that specific dude. Uh, when you bring 250 more compounds into it, it's like it makes it even harder if we don't have the, the help of the science to, uh, to get there. Very complex, yeah. It's way too, uh, too complex. And science, it's, they want separated compounds that they can dose themselves to treat specific symptoms. Fine. I mean, yeah. it, at least if it's come from the plant, 
first, you know, that's how we got these high CBG strains. Now I remember a few years ago, we had a strain that was 3% CBG and people were like, wow, really? And now, you know, we got uh 20% CBG. And, and so definitely manipulating it in that way, we get to have somebody now can utilize that plant. If that helps them more than using something that's THC dominant. So in that way, you know, that is beneficial. And, you know, I, I see that as well. Yeah, we're going outside the CBD THC uh, story. Finally, have you heard of Delta Ten THC? Yeah. Okay. Is that uh, you think that's that's going to be coming up here with the new buzz soon? People are going to start looking into it. Do you know anything about it or what? No, I just read a little bit about it. It's like there's nothing much to know about it. Nobody knows much about it. Yeah. Uh, they know it exists, basically. Yeah. But... Uh, it's a lot of cannabinoids. <laughs> there is, there is about 50 uh, plus of them. It's like, why don't we start studying the one we know exists and, uh, and getting tips uh, over it instead of just trying to be fancy and to... Uh, to make the news, you know what I mean? It's like there That's is, novel. it's a very different, uh, it was Delta 8 and uh, it's like, it's all very much based on uh, the latest and greatest instead of uh, really, you know, creating a database that is going to be worthwhile for the future. I mean, some people enjoy Delta 8 at the same time, it couldn't have existed without processing. And so, you know, there's something to be thought of. Like, I don't, I don't sell it because I personally don't know how it interacts with the body in such a way that I'm feeling comfortable telling somebody who's sick that I would do this, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but uh, again, to each our own and more power to anybody who's choosing what they're choosing for why you're choosing it. I support freedom of choice. Um, and, you know, I feel like people come to us because of how we qualify things and what we're going to, you know, the level, everybody has a different level of integrity and that's why what you love, what you love, you know, and, and how you love it makes you who you are and different from the next person. And then we get to be a rainbow. <laughs> I mean, it's like if you want people to trust your world, you have to not bullshit them. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you're sure of something, it's because you have scientific reference to base yourself to say so. And otherwise, when it's experience, you have to say that, dude, uh, this is my personal experience. Uh, I know maybe uh, other people who have had the same, but uh, that's, uh, there is no science behind what I'm telling you right now. And if you want to discover something, well, it's always smart to know the science behind whatever you want to experience. It's going to be, make you more appreciative if it's a successful experience or yeah. uh, makes you more careful if it's, uh, if it's not, you, you can avoid some problem. For sure. But you can't cross what you, uh, what you got on, uh, on YouTube, for example. It's like you, you need to, you need to, uh, to question shit. It's really important. 
I agree. That's, you know, that's why doctors are doctors because they learn how to qualify information and, and there has to be a certain level or a certain standard that, um, that uh, information has gone through a certain process that the information has gone through to then there be considered viable in order to apply it to life, you know? And so I feel like that, that how we make our choices, you know, um, it's, uh, it's important, the research that we put into it, because, you know, that's the investment that we're going to be putting into ourselves. And we're going to have a better garden if we put more time into building the foundation of it and learning what all goes into it first before just jumping in, you know? It makes you better. The more knowledge you the better you are. It's, uh, when I was a kid, they wanted me to, uh, to learn Latin because I was super good in French. Mm. And I, I fight it like fucking crazy to, the, uh, to be a winner, actually, after three months. But later on, I realized that I, uh, I totally missed the point. Because if you, uh, if you speak Latin, if you understand the Latin, that's the roots, roots of uh, English, German, Portuguese, Spanish. Uh, it's like it's roots, roots. <laughs> Yeah. But nobody explained it to me that way when I was a kid. I didn't understand the value, uh, the value of it. And it was a, it was a pain to, uh, to learn, quite basically. But it's like to, uh, when you, uh, there is so much value into questioning and, uh, and learning the, the reason behind that what makes you really good is when, you know exactly why you do everything you're, uh, you're doing. Doesn't matter your craft, doesn't matter what you're doing. You know to where you want. You need every angle <laughs> to be able to be successful. It's simple, huh? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, that's really great uh, advice. And uh, I feel like we can, uh, to be continued on that high note and, uh, you know, I look, I'm, I'm grateful for your time and, and you sharing your experience and definitely excited for you to uh, complete your book. So much uh, luck and love and success with that and um, clarity. And, you know, may, may it come out as uh, amazing as uh, we all know it will. And uh, may the rest of your journey be as successful as it needs to be to continue to do the work on this earth that uh, you put here to do. And uh, <coughs> it's like I'm going to need your help, guys. When I, uh, I have a movie coming out also, a documentary series that we are finishing. And I, I don't want to, uh, to go through uh, the normal channel because it's been painful. They all want to take it and change my stuff. It's like, no. Mm. You don't change the stuff we did. You take it and you make it happen. Otherwise, we don't need help. And it's like I, uh, we decided to, to do, do all the promotion uh, and uh, make it available to the people online. So in the next few months, I'm going to need help telling everybody that we have that documentary coming up and how to, uh, how to access it. 
For sure. Well, we'll bring the grass and the roots together for a nice grassroots campaign to make sure that your movie gets seen. <laughs> no, it's like that's why it's like it's being part of the huge community, and uh, and the more you give to the co community, uh, the more feedback you uh, you receive. You know what mm. I mean? Like I uh, I receive as much as I give. Huh? Otherwise, I'll uh, I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> well. Glad you're here with us and we get to be here with you. And uh, with that, we will conclude this episode of the Farms Not Farms podcast. In fact, before we conclude the episode, make sure you subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify and Apple Music and uh, check out all the archived episodes at farmsnotfarms.org. And definitely, if you want to have good hash, you need to know how to have good herb and if you want to know how to have good herb you got to know how to have good soil so definitely check out buildthesoil.com they have an awesome youtube channel as well and with that we will con conclude as always by sharing the miracle of life by taking a deep breath together on the count of three. One, two, three. Thank you for having me, man. <laughs> Frenchie, grateful for you. Thank you. You have a great day. You too, brother. Love. Back to you soon. Yes, look forward to it. Thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Healer. If you want to watch the full episode, plus behind-the-scenes footage, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash burntmd. And subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, buildasoil.com, for all of your organic soil amendment needs. As always, be well. <laughs>